0: You're listening to a special bootleg broadcast episode of the Lifestylist Podcast featuring your host, Luke Story, recorded live at Cap Beauty in New York City, July 17th, 2017.
1: Lovely listener, listen up! I've got an exciting announcement for you. I'm going to be hosting an event at the Soho House in West Hollywood on August 30th, and you, my friend, are invited. It's a free event. I'm going to be presenting my Mind, Body, and Spirit Solution program—same one I just did a couple weeks ago in New York City. It was a huge hit. Tons of listeners came down and chilled. I had a blast. They had a blast. It was epic. I'm going to do it again in LA on Wednesday, August 30th, at 10 a.m. at the Soho House in West Hollywood. Here's the deal though, if you want to come, it's free, it's all good, but you have to RSVP quick because legit I only have a few spots available on my guest list, it's a free event. This list that I'm gonna put you on, if you make it in time, is like the list that my friends would go on. But you're a listener to the show, so I'm dissing my friends. I'm gonna put you on that list so you can come hang out, because I wanna meet you, because I haven't met you yet. I've met all my friends, I see their asses all the time. So here's what you have to do you gotta go to lukestory.com forward slash contact, and just shoot me an email on the contact page that says RSVP Hollywood. If you make it in time, I'm going to email you back the details for the event on the 30th. If you don't hear back, no offense. It just means it already filled up. So that's Luke's Talk at the Soho House West Hollywood, uh, Wednesday, August 30th at 10 a.m. Go to lukestory.com forward slash contact. Shoot me an email that says you want to come and I'll do my best to get you in. Okay, and if you miss it, I will see you on the next one. Thanks.
0: Ah, yeah, baby. Here we go. A bonus episode of the Lifestylist Podcast brought to you by yours truly, Luke Story, live from New York City. This is an event I did a couple weeks ago when I was on a trip there for a bunch of listeners just like you. I had a great time. I recorded it. So I thought, you know what What the hell? This will make a great bonus episode. And I think I promised this on a previous show. So I am here to deliver Per use, All right. I want to warn you, the sound on this is a little bit dodgy. It was recorded in the Cat Beauty Boutique in the West Village. The door was open. There's New York City traffic. Let's just call it authentic. I also didn't have my really fancy recording equipment like I have right here. So I want to warn you of that because sound quality is something I'm super uptight about on my show. As you may have noticed, usually the sound is pretty damn good. So let's just get past that disclaimer. And what you've got here in front of you, my friend, is an hour-long talk that I did, which is Really raw, really honest, totally unedited, and it's all about my experience of transformation and some of my top lifestyle recommendations for your mind, body, and spirit. More than anything, it was just a really fun night where I got to go hang out with tons of listeners that came down to uh, share the event with me. It was very cool. So the, some of the things I cover in this talk, and you know, this is one. This is not one. Maybe you want to listen to around the kids. You know, what I'm saying very real. (laughs) Some of the things I talk about are the physical risks of Russian saunas in New York City and how to avoid getting caught in public sex meetups. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Maybe not how to avoid it, but just a funny story about how it happened. How I survived a cult boarding school only to end up a drug addict. This sounds like an after-school special almost, and it kind of is in a way. How prayer cured me of addiction. What led to my career as a celebrity stylist and why I eventually retired to start this here podcast. Then how your thoughts and mental conditioning govern your entire life and how to manage them for your own well-being and benefit. My practice of negativity fasting and why you should never believe the messages your mind provides you with. How to avoid being controlled by your instincts and emotions, the power of reading spiritual literature, and what are the core spiritual principles that I do my best to live by? Of course, very imperfectly, but I really do have, you know, a set core of kind of universal laws or rules that I really do my best to uh, implement on a day-to-day basis, so I reveal what those are. How I learned one of the most powerful universal truths by smoking Cuban cigars. Yes, it's true. It's a great story why you should avoid any tap water and why most filters are worthless and totally um, ineffective in filtering your water the importance of getting proper sun nutrition sun is the ultimate vitamin y'all it's also the most powerful antidepressant in the universe so we're going to talk about that why it's crucial to touch the ground on a regular basis. So I get into a lot of my nature-based sort of philosophy in this episode, you could say. How to use prayer to solve your problems, even if you're an atheist. How does that work? You're going to find out. And then I do a fun little Q&A with the audience, which, as I said, we're mostly listeners to this show. So I just, if you're listening and you were at the event, I want to thank you for coming down. It was like... So fun to meet a bunch of people that have been listening to the show. And then there was me and a group of like biohacker dudes afterward that hung out in front of Cat Beauty for I, honestly, like it was probably two hours afterward, just shooting the shit and diving into stuff that I've covered on the show. And it was just really fun. So I'm looking forward to doing many more events. I love doing speaking engagements. It's just something that I really get fed from, and it's even cooler when I get to meet people that are listening to the show. So if you made it there, thank you for coming down. If you didn't make it, as promised, here is the episode live from New York City, Luke's story and my wacky adventures on my last trip there. Enjoy.
1: So fun. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me. It's really cool. This is like my first thing like this in New York. I do a lot of talking. I'm here on a trip with my business school of style, totally unrelated thing. It's like a fashion school. It's amazing. But um, I talk for like nine or 10 hours a day at that school. (laughs) You know, it's like a trade school. But this is the stuff that I like love, love to talk about. So thank you guys for having me. It's really exciting. This is my PowerPoint. <laughs> I I had it I had it like in a big notebook and I was going to fold it up and put it in a piece of paper which I may or may not even follow but you know when you do a talk you have to like kind of have a name for it so I was like the mind body spirit solution I came up with like a pretty dope sounding name and then when I kind of wrote a little outline I was like actually kind of covers it but really I think what I'd like to talk about is just how to Not survive, that's not the right word because that is kind of a meager existence, but how to thrive in a city. So I'm assuming since you guys are here, most of you probably live in the city or somewhere close to it. And um, for the years that I've been coming to New York from LA, I've had to like really refine sort of my practices here and my protocol here to be here and be able to actually like be healthy mentally, emotionally, physically. And so I've kind of figured out how to hack New York City, which is a bit it's more work than it is hacking LA because LA is like 10 minutes in any direction. You can be like in the woods or at the beach. Well, not 10 minutes. That's exaggerating. 20 to 30 minutes, you can like be out of the grind of the city, you know? So here it's not that easy. I mean, even if you find a little park to like get in nature, it's like, you're still like, you know, there's still (laughs) horns. So, um... That's what I was kind of thinking about today in presenting, it was just like some tips. And I know if you guys are familiar with this space and you shop here, you're probably, probably already kind of familiar with the health and wellness space and doing some of this stuff. So I might say some things, you're like, yeah, duh. There might be some of you here that a lot of the shit that I'm gonna say is totally new and out there. So uh, just to get some context for me so I know a little bit about you guys. Hey, what's happening? How 's it going good, thank you. so how many of you in the room and like if it, even if it's like two of you i won't be like heard or anything, but how many of you have heard my podcast before? Okay, a good portion. How many people have never heard my podcast? Okay, cool. so those of you that have are going to have you know some familiarity with the concepts and practices that i'm going to be talking about. the couple of you that haven't, you might be like this dude's fucking nuts, and that, <laughs> that's what I'm going for <laughs> I had like i'll just start with like. Oh man, I had the funniest day. All right, so when I got to New York this time, which is like a week and a half ago or something, I finally made it to the Russian Turkish baths. Cause I'm like super into hot and cold therapy. It's really, really rejuvenating and really good for you. So it's part of my, you know, like jet lag protocol. When I go back home, I always go to this place, Beverly Hot Springs and they have like a really cold plunge and a really hot pool and a sauna and it's very rejuvenating. And, um, and I did that the other day here and it's the first time in my life, like a sauna was actually like too hot for me. I'm such an extremist. Cause I used to be a drug addict, which I'll get to. So everything I do is like super fucking obsessive. So I went in the sauna and I'm like, I was watching people come in like like, uh, and freak out and leave. I was like, Psh. and I stayed in there forever. And then I discovered a few days later, I like scratched my ear and my hand was all wet. And I was like, what the hell? I had a huge blister on my ear. Like I literally burned my ear in the sauna. So. This is like, this is the stuff that happens all the time. So I'm sort of like a cautionary tale of a person <laughs> who takes stuff to the next level and then like reports it back to people on, you know, that listen to my show and stuff like that. Um, so today, I went to a place called The Studio. It's a yoga studio on um, Bowery and Houston. And I interviewed this woman, um, Abby Galvin, because I just randomly took her class the other day, actually threw a recommendation kind of in a roundabout way. Um, from the girls here on my show i went in there did a really hardcore yoga class did a recording with her and i was like oh cool i'm pretty close to the russian bath." <laughs> so i went in today and i had first hack i had to do was hack the fumes coming off like the chlorine is like insane in the cold pool i mean i understand you don't want germs and stuff and there's city ordinances but i'm sensitive to it because i use shower filters at home like i've been filtering my water forever so even when i take like an Epsom salt bath at my hotel here. When I get out, I'm like, was I in a pool? Like, it smells like chlorine. So I made like this crazy towel bandana (laughs) (laughs) that I'm like going in the cold plunge. It's like a whole scene because I want the cold water. And and with a lot of the stuff that I find, like the physical stuff, it's like I have to weigh the, the benefit and cost ratio. So it's like super toxic to sit in those fumes. I mean, it burns my eyes. It's just super gnarly because all of those gases in the water are different when they become a gas, they become much more toxic, right? So I'm like, ah, oh, this is so toxic, but I'm trying to like think positive, so I made my little bandana mask. Anyway, I had a great sauna, did not burn my ear again. Still has a scab <laughs> on it. Then, this is totally like probably inappropriate, but it's just so fucking funny that I have to tell you the story, because all day since I left, I've been laughing about it. So. This particular spa is, like, co-ed during some hours, and then it's, like, only men in other hours. The other day I went, and it was only men. Like, whatever, cool, you run around naked, and <clears throat> you do your thing. And then today I was turning co-ed at 5, and I was, like, going to leave shortly after that. It just ended up how it was, so <laughs> I'm, like, and don't not go there, because this is if you're a guy, or maybe do go there if you're into this kind of thing, but I go in, like, the sauna, and all of a sudden, like, the little wood sauna was, like, super crowded. And I was, like, there's, like, a bunch of dudes, and I was, oh, that's weird, because it's kind of empty everywhere else. I go in, I'm just, I just like meditate when I go on the song. I'm not trying to chit chat and shit. I'm not trying to make friends. So I go in there and I close my eyes and I am sitting there for a few minutes and there's like Whitney Houston music playing right outside the door and I just like hear someone snapping like to the beat. And I was like, oh, that's chill. I was like, cool, someone's like grooving to the music. I thought, well, I gotta get ready for this event tonight. And, um, and then I opened my eyes and there was like some sort of repetitive movement kind of over in the corner there. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's just like someone just like moving their towel or something, you know. And then as I stood up, I was like, no, I'm like in a full-on circle jerk, like, <laughs> like, like a lot of dudes doing stuff, and it was like,
0: <laughs>
1: and then I was just, I was just laughing. I mean, I didn't laugh when I was in there. I was just like, cool guys, bye. And then because um, it's not, you know, it's not like. From what I understand, like, a gay bathhouse, per se, it's just whatever, it's a spa, you know? Um, So I texted a couple of my friends, and they're like, um, dude, you're in a bathhouse. Like, of course. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm par for the (laughs) course. But. They were nice enough not to
0: bother
1: you. I mean, whatever, dude, I don't, you know, it's, it's all good, whatever. Just, like, that's my fucking life. It's just, like, so funny, so... I don't know why I tell you that story, it's just hilarious, because all day I just keep reflecting back to that scene, because what was funny about it to me was that I couldn't actually believe it was happening, so I didn't think it was, it was just so surreal. Anyway, that was my day-to-day, how are you guys doing? Um, hi. So, that's the kind of stuff that happens when you're like a biohacker that's super obsessed with health and wellness. Um, but to back up, anyway, that's not even part of my little PowerPoint, it's just hilarious, so I want to share it with you. Um... How I started, quick recap. So a couple of you maybe that have listened to my podcast, you may have heard episode one, which was like a huge step for me because that's when I kind of told my life story. As I said, I you know I used to be a drug addict. I have a pretty like sordid past. I've had some rough times like many of us have had. And so the past 21 years now, I've really been like working on myself, just healing, getting better emotionally, spiritually, physically, just working on improving my quality of life. Um, so... You already heard that, forgive me if you already heard that episode because I'm going to give a condensed version of this, but essentially like I grew up in Northern California in the 70s and was around a bunch of like druggy hippie hell's angels kind of people, and so ended up becoming like a pretty like confused juvenile delinquent kind of kid. I got sent away for two years when I was fourteen to kind of like boarding school, which is really this weird cult therapeutic school called Rocky Mountain Academy. um the kids that like went there. If you look up their Facebook group, they call themselves survivors. <laughs> you know, it's not like alumni. They're like survivors. So that that tells you a little bit about that. But anyway, um, you know, I just I just was like getting arrested, breaking into houses. I was a really troubled kid and experienced a lot of trauma. And the way that I dealt with that trauma was just taking copious amounts of drugs from like a really really young age. Like those of you listening to the podcast, I'm, I'm indicating like the, the size kid of like an eight year old. You know, so. I kind of went really far downhill and then eventually moved to Hollywood and started playing in bands. So if you have a drug problem, moving to Hollywood is like the most awesome place to <laughs> live ever, you know. <laughs> Especially like in the late 80s, like Guns N' Roses days, you know, it's like the Hollywood heyday. So um, I kind of burned my life down from 19 to 26 when I moved to L.A. and was playing in bands and stuff like that. And, um, and during that time, sort of bringing us to how I ended up here, during that time, I was also really into like health food and juicing and studying eastern mysticism and gurus and i just i was kind of like living in both worlds even though i was having this very destructive lifestyle i was also interested in being healthy and getting better and so when it came time to like end that quote-unquote party i already sort of knew what to do because i was like the kid who'd be, like, up all night doing drugs, and then I'd go get a wheatgrass in the morning, you know? And all my, like, drug buddies are like, dude, why are you bothering doing wheatgrass? Like, you're a total drug addict, you know? (laughs) It's like, well, I'm not going to be a drug addict and eat Domino's. It's like, I'll be a drug addict. At least I might stretch out the partying a little longer. Um, Eventually, I checked myself into a rehab, Well, I actually had my mom check me in there because I obviously wasn't capable at that point of getting anywhere myself. I was like an invalid basically. And um, something really amazing happened and it's kind of something that's included in my story and that is that, I I can't even talk about it too much because I'll get like all choked up and I'll just go in the corner and cry, tears of gratitude or something. But I experimented with the idea of prayer and I wasn't raised in any kind of religion. It, I, like, my parents weren't against it, but it was just a non-issue. It just didn't exist in my family that I'd ever heard of. It just any kind of religion. Um, spirituality, a little bit later on, some of them would go to India and they had their little trip going. But I was so desperate that I started just praying, you know, and it wasn't like to a specific God or deity or anything like that. I was just like, God, fucking help me, whatever you are, universal thing, like I need help. And something really, um, God, always happens because it's so it's weird but when you have like I'm sure some of you have had it when you have like a profound experience like that it's one of the only things that I can like go back to and, and, like, be in that moment again, you know? It's like if you ask me about a movie I saw two weeks ago, I have no fucking idea what the plot is, you know what I mean? It's like I couldn't recount that, but there's been times in my life where I know that something happened, you know, and that was the first time where, like, I woke up in this place and I was terrified and I just prayed, you know? And if you're someone who's, like, you know, an atheist and you're like, oh, prayer, how gross. When I say pray, it's just, like, I know that there's something spinning the planets around, and whatever that thing is obviously has a deeper wisdom and more power than I and to myself have, and I just kind of hung on to that idea. But that was the beginning of my journey, because in a moment, like that death defying obsession that I had had with drugs and alcohol just like poof, it just went away. Not like it stayed away forever. I mean, there's a lot of work that I had to do to keep that going. But that was like the beginning of my journey, and then. Uh, what happened was I, I sort of, I guess maybe in an unhealthy way, I became like as obsessed as I was as a drug addict with like health and wellness and spirituality and meditation and yoga and all of the things now that I practice and turn other people onto. And I was fortunate enough to be like desperate enough where it wasn't just like, oh, yoga's cute. Like, yeah, I love Lululemon shorts. I think I'll have a green juice. It was like, I'm gonna fucking die if I don't find some answers, you know, because All of the trauma that I experienced as a kid and like all the discontent that I had, all that unhappiness that I was like using drugs and alcohol for, just like came rushing to the surface like Niagara Falls style, you know, and I was just a raw nerve. I was totally insecure and just emotional and my mind would just race. I was just like a neurotic basket case because my medicine, you know, I was self-medicating and that was gone, so I really had to find an answer you know and i was really desperate to do that and i kind of like switched obsessions you know and then uh what ended up happening was i just professionally through random events ended up becoming a fashion stylist and because i was a musician and so i had a friend that was like aerosmith stylist and just out of like having mercy for me being newly sober and being a basket case she like hired me to house it for her and i became like You know, working for Aerosmith for like a year and then that kind of launched a career that lasted 17 years where I was like playing music myself, not really getting anywhere, not really making any money, but dressing some of the biggest music people in the world, like people that I had grown up listening to and stuff like that. And I did that for a really long time. And then uh, 10 years into that career, I started this school called School of Style, which is why I'm here in New York, really. And that's where we teach people how to become a stylist. Like actually, one of our former students is in the room, at least one. Is there any are there any other ones here? No? Just okay. So I've kind of been living this double life, you know, during this time and like working in the fashion industry and you know, dressing celebrities and musicians and stuff like that. And finally found like the art in that. And I appreciate fashion. I mean, you know, I got my, my cute little Burberry shirt on and like, you know, I like clothes, but I wasn't like that into it, you know? After a few years, it's sort of like, cool, another fitting, another dress. Do you like those shoes? Yeah, those shoes are great, you know? It's like, I was finding something deeper in my life by piecing together all of these different sort of lifestyle hacks and all of these different practices, and then I started passing that information on to my friends. And I found that I was sort of doing the same thing with my lifestyle and conveying things to my friends and even later on some clients in the same way that i did as a stylist so as a stylist you know you go in a shop you're like oh cute dress let me find a necklace for it and then find the shoes and you sort of like take bits and pieces of a puzzle and you find a way to put them together that's that makes some kind of sense and is aesthetically pleasing right and so eventually after years and years and years this is like started a year and a half ago or something i finally decided that all the information and all the stuff that I've practiced really has value and it's transformed my life and so many people that I've just turned on to this stuff that I decided to kind of make it a full-on thing. And, um, and I just thought, well, I'll be a lifestylist instead of being a fashion stylist, you know, I'll just take people's lives and just turn them upside down in a good way. And so uh, I did something really, <laughs> like at 45 years old, I was like, cool, I'm inventing a new career and I started this podcast, you know, which a few of you have listened to. And so, uh, that's what kind of brings me here today, is just like, God, I find so many cool things. I mean, whether it be like a circle jerk in a sauna, or, um, I mean, everywhere I go, I just seem to gravitate toward like the most conscious, coolest people. And just in this trip in New York, and I'm just meeting fantastic people everywhere I go, and it's like, it brings me so much joy and pleasure to be able to find these people, like these two here, and share their message with the world and and I get the benefit of like sitting down with people on my show that I would probably never even get an email back from that's like the woman um, Abby that I interviewed today. I mean if I just walked into her yoga studio and was like, "Cool, I like yoga. Will you sit with me for an hour and just tell me how the world works?" she'd be like, "Yeah, you can sign up you know there's a <laughs> registration form, but when you have a podcast, people are like you know they know they're going to get promoted and be able to share their message and stuff so I find that I get to talk to just the most fantastic, brilliant people. I mean, I did a show a couple weeks ago with a guy named Dr. Jack Cruz. You guys were saying you listened to it, and he's literally a brain surgeon, you know? And I get to sit down and just ask him all my goofy questions about like how to be healthy and then share that information with an audience. And um, a lot of my audience are people that have been kind of in the fashion and entertainment industries that aren't, you know, they're vaguely familiar with some of these concepts, but not like to the extent that my guests are and that I am. So now what I endeavored to do is to sort of take everything I've learned and everything that I'm continuing to learn from the guests on my show and start to just like compartmentalize that and transmit that to people like you. And so thank you so much, you know, they didn't, they weren't like, hey Luke, will you come to our shop and do a talk? I was like, hey, how about I come to the shop? And they allowed me to be here, you know, so I kind of forced myself in here <laughs> of and so I don't know how that's going to work, but now there's kind of this domino thing, and I'm doing some talks at the Soho house back in L.A., and then I think I come back in September to speak at this another event, and I'm like, oh, cool, Like this is what I want to do. It's kind of mortifying, to be honest, to like get up and talk in front of people, but it's good practice for me spiritually to not need to be liked and to sound smart and do it right and... I can say inappropriate stories that happened today, and just like fuck it, whatever. You know, it's like it's funny <laughs> to me at least. <laughs> so, it's very freeing for me to kind of like hmm, let go of those insecurities even more, and just kind of be me and do me, and and help other people to overcome things that they're overcome that they need to overcome too. So that's kind of how I ended up here. So, I want to keep within the time frame because I know a lot of you are standing, and I would already be dying. Um, So that's kind of a little bit of the history of what brought me here, you know. I retired from being a stylist. I'm doing this now. This is my thing. And I'm so excited to be doing this. Like every time I do an interview, every time I do a talk, every time I work with a coaching client, I'm just like on fire. I'm literally obsessed with this stuff to the point where I burn my ears off. You know? <laughs> it's like I just you know, I think it's the same motive I always had. It's like I want to alleviate my own suffering as much as possible. And when I find ways to do that, I wanna help alleviate suffering in the world. Not in a like evangelical like I'm gonna be out with a protest sign. Like it's not really my trip. I'm sort of more like the be the change you wanna see guy. Um yeah i no I don't know, it's like One of the gurus said, if you're trying to change the world, the world you see doesn't even actually exist. So, you know, (laughs) that's a whole other conversation. But it's like, I just like turning people on and lighting people up and and doing things like this is like a chance to have an experience, you know? And and I just really like to talk from the heart and and share um, my passion, you know? And so, a couple of things that I'd like to cover. Actually, before we do that, I wanna do something really weird with you guys. Well, for some of you, has anyone ever done kundalini yoga? couple of you? Okay, I want, and for those of you that haven't, just bear with me. We're going to do some trippy shit right now, okay? So, kundalini yoga is this ancient technology, and it's not like stretchy yoga. It's yoga where you chant, you do all kinds of breathing exercises, you do weird stuff with your arms. I don't know how the fuck it works, but it works. It really makes you feel good. So I want to, like, liven up the room real quick, and I want you guys to do something with me voluntarily. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but it's something called ego eradicator, and it involves two things. One is putting your arms up like this, with your thumbs out, and then your fingers kind of in your palm, with your arms as straight as possible. So imagine you're kind of creating an arc above your head, right? And you're going to hold your hands in this V, and then we're going to add to that. It's usually like a few minutes. We'll just do like a minute, just for shits and giggles. Uh, something called breath of fire, and breath of fire is a yogic <laughs> breathing. <laughs> Sorry. Where you? I'm <laughs> <laughs> hey, where you breathe? Where you breathe in and out? through your nose with the same, uh, the same length on the inhale and the exhale. So if you've done pranayama, which is like exhale, it's not that, it's, okay? So what I like to do is close my eyes. I focus my attention right here, my vision right here in the third eye, and we're just gonna blast off for like a minute or so. Okay, ready? And then a big inhale and just hold it for a sec. Like you're holding in the head up a joint of oxygen. And exhale. Oh man, I love that. It's cool stuff. If you ever have the opportunity to try Kundalini Yoga, um, you can actually do it online. There's a site called Rama TV, another one of my interviewees named uh, Guru Jagat. They're opening a center out here, I think in October. But um, you have to have a really open mind because it is a little weird. A lot of people wear white and some people wear turbans and it, it appears to be very culty and trippy if you're not used to spiritual <laughs> settings like that. But um, I've practiced with a lot of different teachers and. I find it to be actually really normal at this point. Like Nothing they do there is weird to me because I just roll with it. Like I just let go of my preconceived ideas. And I found it to be um, really, really beneficial. Like I said, not so much physically, but just changing my energy. And that's really what kundalini yoga is about. It's about moving the energy around your body. And um, I don't know, it's just really awesome. So thank you for humoring, humoring me in that. It sort of sets the tone, at least for me, hopefully for a couple of you. So moving on... Uh, to the mind, body, spirit, to my PowerPoint. There, change the slide. So the first thing I'd like to talk about is the mental state because to me, ultimately, this means everything. It's like I could have gone to the Russian Turkish baths today and had a horrific experience. The chlorine, the thing. I mean, it could have been like, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. I had the most fun ever. And the only reason why is just because I chose to think about it in a certain way. I chose to just laugh at myself because I'm, like, making a gas mask in the fucking cold plunge and just the whole thing. It's just ridiculous. And that can be true of missing a plane. I mean, at a certain, I don't know if I'd be laughing about the death of someone or a breakup. I mean, there is shit that's hard to like, ha, 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 that was interesting. But there is a way to contextualize even the most difficult things in, in one's life from the standpoint that there's something to learn there. And then I'm having that experience for a reason. And like the difference between a shitty moment or a shitty day is literally between my ears. This has been my experience. And uh, it started out with me with little things like, let me see if I can handle a parking ticket and not energize that negativity. In other words, to not find fault. Because I inherently just have a mind that just finds what's wrong with everything. It's just, I walk on the street, I'm like, why didn't they pick that up? Like, why is that still sitting here? I mean, it's everywhere I go. I mean, it's changed a lot, but if I don't, I guess you'd call it being mindful. If I don't watch my mind, it's sort of just programmed. It's in like my neurons to just be negative and just find the underbelly of any situation. And so what I've been doing for, God, like 21 years now is practicing on a momentary basis of really surrendering the negative energy behind my thoughts. It's like I'm a prison guard and my thoughts are inmates running around the yard. And I'm just like, where's a fucking negative one? Boom, you know? <laughs> it's like a negative way to think about being positive. <laughs>
0: I love it. It works. I know, like,
1: imagine there's a daisy and you pick the daisy and no. Um, as a thing, like, my, my spirituality and my whole trip is not. It's not unicorns and rainbows, it's like, it's realistic. Well, I don't know how realistic the prison guard metaphor is. I'll think of another one at some point. But you could also say it's like, you know, sometimes it's good to do fasting, you know. A lot of health practices involve fasting and really that's the first thing I started doing. Like when I sobered up, I was like, oh my God, I'm a toxic waste dump. I'm smoking shit off the carpet. I don't even know what it is. I mean, it's like, honestly, like it's scary the stuff that I've put in my body. It's a wonder I ever survived. Um, but I started doing that fasting. And so you can think of this concept as sort of thought fasting. Where I'm ignoring or putting to the side negative thoughts before they gain energy. Because the thing about thoughts is they really don't have much power until you feed them. You know, once I start feeding a thought, today sucks, people are rude. Why is everyone in my way? It's too loud. Like for me, New York City is very challenging because like I don't like honking. You know, <laughs> it's like tough city to be like, I, I, get, I find jarring noises really disturbing. I finally figured out to wear headphones, like noise-canceling headphones. Like, duh, that's where everyone in New York walks around with headphones. It took me like <laughs> 10 years to figure that shit out. Sometimes I wear earplugs, but then I almost get hit by cars, so I switch to headphones. I have to get into practice of being able to see my mind in real time, to be able to watch the thoughts. And that's like easy to say, but how do you do that? You know, and that's where practices for me, like medi- uh, medication, <laughs> medi- <laughs> meditation, is my medication. Honestly, I've been on medication too, uh, psych meds at one point, and it it didn't really work for me. I became even more obsessive. Um, so meditation is the way that I start almost every single day, and I just did it on the way over here. I know you guys practice TM. I think you said on the show. So I do a type of meditation that's called um, Vedic meditation. I don't care what kind it is, the main benefit that I've gotten from it is that ability to have a little bit of separation with my mind. And I find that if I leave the house in the morning and I don't do that, then I've really got no shot at being able to fast from negativity and watch those thoughts because I haven't created any separation. It's like the thoughts just come and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the truth, that that person sucks. It's like there's no sort of gap in time there. There's no time lapse for me to go, wait, is that actually true? Or I think somebody's being rude to me or, I don't know, trying to slight me or rip me off or whatever kind of, you know, drama my mind will make up. But if I haven't created that little gap, that little space, it sort of just automatically runs and I don't even know that it's happening. And next thing you know, like I start feeling pretty down, whether that be a resentful thought or for me, it's not so much that. I used to be really, really angry, like a lot of rage and just contempt for well, every human except myself. No, including myself, actually. (laughs) But for me, it's more like fear and anxiety. Those are sort of the ones that persist for me. And so some of those are also harder to see. Like when you walk down the street and you're like, I'll fucking kill that guy. And you have like a rageful, hateful thought. It's it's a little easier to see that because it's so immediately disturbing. But some of those more like fear-based or anxiety-based or self-loathing kind of thoughts, those little memes in your mind, they're harder to see because they're just more, I don't know, they're not as upsetting. You know, they're not so dramatic. They're just like those little ways of thinking and, and feeling that sort of persist underneath the surface. And I find that I have to watch all thoughts like that, like the prison guard. There's no other way to say it. That's the way I think about it, you know? Actually, you know where I kind of, I probably got that metaphor in a roundabout sort of way from this writer, Emmett Fox, He's a fantastic writer, like a Christian scientist kind of writer. He's around in the... 30s and 40s, I guess. He wrote a really great book called Sermon on the Mount. It's sort of based on, well, not sort of, it is based on biblical teachings, but it's weird. Like, he's not like down with religion, but he was like down with Jesus. Cool guy. One of the concepts he talks about is enemy soldiers. And that when enemy soldiers dig themselves into the foxhole, they're exceedingly difficult to get out. But if you can pick them off, yeah, I guess that's where I got it. If you can pick them off before they dig in, they're relatively easy to get rid of. And that's my whole concept of. Fasting from negativity, whether that be a hateful thought, a fear based thought, or even just a lot of time for me too, what I struggle with still, even though like I read the power of now 15 years ago or whatever, like, oh, be in the now, be in the moment, be here now, Ram Dass, I get it, but how do you do that? You know, it's like everyone, you know, like understands that as a concept, but how do you actually practice that? And it's the same thing for me. So if I'm like in my hotel before I come over here and I'm like, oh, I don't know, are people gonna think I'm lame or weird or stupid? they're going to hate me and then I'm going to be all alone and no one will ever be my friend or whatever instinct is being threatened. Like when I'm in my hotel and I see my mind time traveling to this moment right here, I've got to treat that as an enemy soldier, just like I would, you know, harboring some deep resentment for someone that I hate or something like that. It's like all those sort of thoughts to me are categorized in the same area. They all hurt me and they all cause my mind to spin out and they cause me to have a perception of my life and the world that's actually not based in reality. Like the reality is, it totally doesn't matter what happens when I get here and what's happening right now. If there's like 20 people in the room that are like, oh my God, how can I leave and fucking get away from this guy without looking weird or rude or whatever, it like totally doesn't matter, that's the reality. You know, The reality is that I'm here having a good time. There's nothing to worry about ever. And every fear, I find if I really dig down the rabbit hole, if you trace a fear, every fearful thought is eventually leading to the fear of death. You know, that's what we're all afraid of. If this happens, then that happens, then this happens, then that happens, then what happens? I'm gonna die. If nobody likes me in this room, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna be banished from the West Village. And everyone's gonna, like when I walk down the street, everyone's gonna be like, oh, don't talk to him, he's a leper, he's a weirdo. Then what happens? Then I, like, die alone in the wilderness, you know? It's like, in my evolution, there's an instinct in me called the social instinct, right? We all want to be like, There's nothing wrong with that. It's like we all want to procreate and eat cheeseburgers and shit. It's how we were designed. But if I don't have awareness that those motives are manifesting as thoughts that hurt me... Then those thoughts are going to control me, and I'm actually going to live my life based on those instincts when I'm actually not going to die. I, I'm not going to die if no one likes me here. I'm not going to die if a girl that I like doesn't want to have sex with me or whatever instinct is being threatened. I'm actually just fine. And to take that even further, if I were to die, it might be the best thing that ever happened to me, <laughs> you know, depending on what your interpretation of reincarnation is. I mean, I really truly feel like this body is not who i am and it's not a concept that i read in a book it's the experience that i'm having that this is like a vehicle that i'm traveling around in for a while now what happens when i leave this little meat suit i don't know obviously but i have a feeling it's probably awesome maybe even more awesome than being encumbered by this vehicle that i'm riding around in i mean you know when you're in a taxi it's cool when you get out of the taxi you're like oh nice Maybe that's what it's like when you die. <laughs> you know? You get, you get out of this fucking, you know, aging, sagging taxi that you're riding around in. So, good times. Negativity, fasting, time travel. And then something else that really helps my mind, and, you know, it's funny, like, I don't know, in my spiritual practices, there's things that I really gravitate toward for a period of time, and I'm like really devoted to it, really committed to it, and then they kind of fade away. And one of those things for me is reading spiritual literature. And when I say reading, it's more like a contemplative sort of reading, not like, oh, here's a spiritual book. Yeah, I read that book next. But really like highlighting them and studying them like a textbook. And I've been doing this for years. Right now... I'm not particularly in, it's been the past couple of years, I think since I went like heavier in meditation, I haven't been a big reader. So I don't want to like, oh yeah, I do this every day. Like it's not the thing I'm really focused on right now. But I have to say that it's been like really profound to me to just read spiritual truths. And what that does for me, even just a sentence, a paragraph, like it's about the, the quality, not the quantity. What that does for me is sort of sets my mind onto the pot. Oh, the green juice made it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Awesome. Uh, It sets my mind onto the truth. It's like every spiritual book I've ever written, every guru I've gone to see in India, everything I've ever done that's had any meaning in my life and any validity all says the same goddamn thing. I mean, it's like Kabbalah, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, all of it, Buddhism, it's just like a different path to the top of the mountain. It's like literally they all say the same thing. It's just a matter of like where I am in my life that the particular path that it's expressing makes sense to me, you know? But it's like when I read spiritual literature, even just for a few minutes in the morning, there's just something about it that gets my mind right you know, even just reading something like, Luke, you are not your body. Then when I walk out of my hotel and I'm like, oh God, I'm not really not in shape. I don't fucking care. It's like, oh, this thing, I take care of it, but I'm like trying to get abs and shit. And no offense if you want to get abs, it's fun to play around with your meat suit and build it up and shrink it down and all that. But (laughs) reading spiritual truths for me is like, cleansing my mind and it's almost like a voluntary self brainwashing it's like supplanting ideas that i know on a visceral deep level are true but they sort of um displace the false ideas that i have that are like you're a loser no one's gonna like you you're never gonna make money people are assholes life isn't fair and then you die i mean that's the kind of shit my mind will produce just left unattended but when I use that sort of law of, of displacement by reading spiritual text, and really when I say reading it, I'm talking about like digesting it slowly, one word at a time, like contemplative reading, like really contemplating the truth. That has been immensely valuable to me. Lately what I've been doing, just as an experiment, is um, I've been doing like a really, I think I showed it to Catherine, or I was, no, I was doing it in front of you the other day in class. Have this really long affirmation by this like personal development guru named Zig Ziglar, like old school, like pre Tony Robbins. You know, it's probably like where Tony Robbins got all his shit. You know, and it's just this rad thing that's just a declaration of like all of the principles that I desire to embody in my life. So just like humility, acceptance, willingness, um, being a good leader, being teachable, being kind, being compassionate, like being presenting myself um, you know when I go to work just dressing nice just everything you can ever think of that makes you an awesome person and the way that I do that is I, I like I love laminating shit <laughs> I don't know why but I print out and I laminated it because I don't like when papers get wrinkled It's weird OCD thing working on that with neurofeedback um, so I print this thing out laminate it and then you read it in the mirror and it's like every affirmation is like Luke's story does this, Luke's story does that. And it's like a story you're telling yourself about yourself. And that could be sometimes a really short one. I just literally look in the mirror. I'm like, dude, you're cool. You got this. I love you. I mean, that God, that's just, even just saying that right there hits me, you know? Those are the kind of thoughts that I've got to put in my mind because, like many of us probably in this room unless you really, really had great parents, <laughs> most of us didn't. I've been thinking thoughts to the contrary my whole life. It's like I have grooves in my mind of thoughts that are not that. So I find that like retraining my mind in that way through, through the written word or even journaling or just talking to myself in the mirror, like positive self-talk rather than negative self-talk, you know, my negative self-talk is, like, I wake up, and it's not like this anymore, but there was a long time, man, even, like, into this journey when I was working on myself where I'd wake up, and it's just, every, poss- every like, negative thing that could possibly go wrong that day would play in front of my eyes. Just, I'm in the shower, you know, I'm eating my smoothie, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, then this is going to go wrong, and that's going to go wrong because you suck, and everyone's going to find out, and, I mean, it's just, it's the horror show, you know? So I had to work really hard to replace those thoughts, and, uh, and those are a few of the tools that I use that i found to be really, really useful. And those are things that I've, like, turned my friends onto and clients onto. And it's like, it's like all the stuff, um, all the teachings, if they're just an idea, they don't really do anything. You know, this thing, like, you can read every spiritual book. <laughs> we used to have this store called The Bodhi Tree in L.A. It was a fantastic, like, spiritual bookstore. And you could read every book in The Bodhi Tree, and it does not mean shit unless you apply it. Like, I have to read that and then go, okay, this is, these are directions for my life, like, I have to follow these steps, you know, like the 12 steps is how I got sober, you know? And they're just like weird things that are on a wall in a church basement. They don't do shit for you until you actually like take them and internalize them and digest them and practice them, you know? So what I'm about is like filling my consciousness with universal truths, learning them to a degree on an intellectual level because you kind of have to have an understanding of them mentally, but then they turn nonlinear, and they just become living, breathing ways of interacting with the world. And that, to me, means everything. I mean, health food and all that shit and all the weird stuff that I'm into, like for the body, it's like, it's fun and it's like novel and it's interesting, but at the end of the day, it's almost a distraction. You know, it really is, to me, everything is about my perception and changing my perception. There's a lot of ways you can change your perception. Budweiser, heroin, (laughs) crystal meth, alcohol, (laughs) pornography, cigarettes, ice cream works really well, you know? But most of those ways and means have side effects. That's what I found, you know? And so I wanna find practices that don't have any negative side effects. They only have positive side effects, but also can change my reality as quickly as possible. And yes, some of those are like physical and health related. Because if your brain's not firing on all cylinders and you're like living on glucose and you're eating MSG and aspartame and all these chemicals in our food and in our water, it's kind of hard to meditate. Your brain's jacked up. So I have done a lot on the physical level too, but I think like the the most important thing is really the state of mind. And that has so much power. There's one last thing I'll say on that because if like, honestly, we could, you know, I'm gonna keep it to 45 minutes, right? And we're getting close to that. I didn't even get to the other two two slides. Um, I had an experience once that was really profound in terms of my perception. And what happened was I, I, I used to smoke cigarettes for like a long, long time. That was, by the way, the hardest thing I ever quit. Like don't tell anyone, but I was like a legit heroin addict. Like I was fucking super addicted to heroin, right? That was way easier to quit than cigarettes, truthfully. Cigarettes were really hard. But eventually I did quit cigarettes. What happened was, uh, I was on a cruise, you know, with the family, where you go on cruises, and they always sell Cuban cigars because you're like in the Caribbean and shit. So my stepbrother like brings me a Cohiba or whatever, and I'm like, what do I look like a golfer? Like I don't smoke cigarettes, I like playing a band, dude. You know, we don't smoke cigars. I smoke cigarettes, man. American spirits. So he gives me this, he gives me this Cuban cigar, and I was like, ah, whatever. I'm bored. I'm on a boat with a bunch of old people. Like fuck it. And I smoked that cigar, and I was like, ding, 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 ding. My head just lit up. I was like, now I smoke cigars. And proceeded to, like, get totally addicted to Cuban cigars. And I became a connoisseur of cigars. I, I had a connection, because they're illegal here, technically. You can't go to a cigar store and buy them, in case you don't, you know, they're from Cuba, right? Embargoes and stuff. So I got, like, a connect, which is kind of cool, because I like having the guy. Back in the day, you would, like, page your guy, and you'd meet him, you know? So I like that energy in a dark way. And, um... So, we had a guy, we, would, we had cell phones by this time, so we'd call him, hey, you know, you've been to Cuba lately? He's like, yeah. And we'd literally like meet him in an alley, and he'd open up his trunk, and he have briefcases of the most chronic, like, dark, oily, beautiful Cuban cigars. And that's what I smoked for like about five years. I mean, I'm still paying off my credit cards from those fucking cigars, honestly, like. They're like $20, $30 a piece, and I would smoke like two or three a day. It adds up, you know? It's like maybe more expensive than some drug habits. Anyway, I digress. moral of the story is perception and how powerful it truly is so i'm addicted to cuban cigars i don't smoke any other cigars not because i'm elitist they just actually suck like cuban cigars are just i don't know like french champagne uh, you know italian wine it's just they have a thing they have a certain mm, you know so i was such a fiend for these cigars and and one day i had run out and we were waiting for the connection and so my friend larry's like um, you know, the guy's gonna be here anytime. Come over, pick up your boxes, whatever. So I go over to Larry's house. I get there. He's like, dude, he, he can't make it. But I went down to the shop and I bought these other cigars. They're Nicaraguan. They're, they're just as good. They're great. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. No, they're not. But I was desperate. So we light up one of these cigars. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, this is horrible. This is shit, man. We gotta get the Cubans in. And I'm like, whatever. It's better than nothing. He's sitting there kind of smirking. You know, I don't notice. I'm smoking the cigar. I'm like, oh, this thing tastes like shit. And I'm super disappointed. And then asked me it like, so you like it? Yeah, is it, you know, you warming up to it? And I said, "Nah, man, this thing tastes like shit. Yeah. And then he pulls open, he pulls out the box of Cuban cigars. Like, that's your favorite cigar, a Diplomatico. And I swear to God, once he told me it was a Cuban cigar, it was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it, I mean, it's a weird lesson. But it was a lesson, nonetheless, and like power of the mind. And I don't know, there's probably been a bunch of those, but that's one that really stuck out because my taste buds actually were affected. It's the the power of belief, you know? Um, It's the biology of belief. There's a book about it. Um, A guy that I'd like to have on my show, but I can't remember his name. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief. It's like your cells actually believe what you think. It's science, it's not woo-woo kundalini shit. It's science. My body actually tasted a shitty cigar because my mind told me it was something other than what it was. So I'll wrap up the mind thing with that, and I'll give you a couple quick body things. And um, and Catherine here is helping me out. She's gonna. She has a little notepad. If you guys want to put your name and email down, I'll send you all the bullet points for the stuff that I'm about to mention and everything I've talked about. If you want, you'll be on my newsletter. If you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. But I really don't try to sell you anything or send you weird stuff. I just tell you when a podcast is out or if I make a new video or do something like this event. So if you want to sign up for that, um, I'll send you some really great links. For the body, especially living in the city. I know you guys do the Berkey filter. Out here it's really not convenient to do spring water. Like I get it delivered to my hotel, the Saratoga water from upstate New York in a blue bottle. It's really good spring water. Oh yeah, these guys right here. But dude, I go through like four cases of these in a week trip and there's bottles like all over my hotel. It's just a waste of glass. I mean, it's a lot of recycling to deal with. So I don't know if like you live in Manhattan, if like getting the chronic spring water is good, but I'm just gonna tell you like one of the worst things for your health, and I don't care what the fucking city tells you when I show you the test when you get your water bill, tap water is not fit for human drinking anywhere on the planet. I don't care where it's from. I have a podcast with a water expert called uh, What's in Your Water. You can find it on my site. Listen to that. And you're not even going to want to take a bath ever again. (laughs) It's gnarly, gnarly. And even if you use, like, a Brita filter or something, dude, that's not taking shit out. It's just taking the smell of the chlorine out. So I do recommend, based on my research, the best filter you can get that's, like, a portable, like, countertop one is a Berkey and do you guys sell like the beautiful ceramic one so right over here yeah for For city life like that would be my recommendation but I would really really advise that you don't drink tap water and here's the thing you might even drink bottled water at home but you don't realize every time you get a Starbucks or get some drink like at any restaurant that you're drinking tap water Mm -hmm. ice is all tap water now you know you don't want to be a control freak and be all orthorexic orthorexic and shit you know whatever like I go in the chlorine bath with a gas mask. Like, <laughs> you, just, you just deal. But um, water in plastic, even bottled water in plastic, super gnarly. It jacks up your hormones. So you really got to, like, sort out the drinking water. And that's always the thing I start with with people that I work with because the majority of your cells, actually, I think your cells, if I have this right, I'm not a science guy. I'm more of, like, an intuitive nature-based guy. But I believe your cells are 99% water. And then your body and brain are, like, 70 80%. So if you've been living off tap water, that means like your lymphatic fluid, your, um, you know, your sweat, your blood, all the fluids in your body are basically made of tap water. It's super gnarly. So I go, I mean, I'm a little extreme, but not really. Actually, it's totally normal. I go get my own spring water, which is why we're standing here today is why we've evolved. We've been drinking water that comes out of the earth for a couple million years, right? So if you can drink spring water, and if not, you know, the Berkey filter I think is probably the best and most convenient one and affordable instead of getting a whole system under your sink and all this crazy stuff. Next thing though is when you bathe or shower, you're taking in a lot of water too. Especially in a shower that's hot, you're actually giving yourself like a gas chamber. And when all of those chemicals that are in tap water get heated up and turn into steam, they become much more toxic because those chemicals react to one another and make new chemicals that we don't even know what they do to you. So I would also recommend getting a shower filter ASAP. The bath filter is a little tricky because they haven't invented, like, a good one yet. There's a couple of little cheesy ones out there. It's better than nothing. But I would highly recommend filtering water that you bathe in as well, especially if you have kids. Like, it's, to me, you know, not trying to call you a bad parent, but you're just probably unaware. If you have kids, it's, like, super uncool to bathe them in tap water because they're still developing, and they're much more fragile in general, right, immune system and all that stuff. So... Maybe, like, use distilled water to give your kid a bath. (laughs) That'd be the safest. Okay, no guilt, just, you know, just an awakening. Uh, The next thing is sunlight. I just did an episode with Jack Cruz that I mentioned, who's a freaking genius, and he's basically like, eat whatever you want, don't take supplements, it's all about getting sun. And it sounds kind of basic, but if you think about, again, how we've evolved, we've evolved to drink pure water out of the earth, and we've evolved in the sun, and it's not just about... Vitamin D, that's what everyone thinks. I mean, that is crucial. You can supplement with it. But it's really important to get sun on your body and in your eyes. And that's tough to do when you live in a city because you're kind of weird if you walk around with your shirt off. I always like try to duck in some park and like take my shirt off. I always feel all weird in New York City. It's just, I don't know, no one's like nude, you know? (laughs) Back home, I can find a backyard and literally like, the best you can ever get is full body, naked sun on your whole body. And dudes are like, oh, I'm gonna burn. You don't burn, it's crazy. If you're fair-skinned, you just have to work up to it. But even fair-skinned people, you go a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. But I can't tell you, your whole, all, your whole skin organ has photoreceptors. And it's crucial to your health. I mean, it's some really heady scientific shit. But a lot of the illness that we're experiencing today is because we're covered up all the time. And if you don't believe me, listen to that episode of my show with Jack Cruz. It was a couple episodes again. So the more sun I get, the better I feel. It's like the ultimate antidepressant. And if you just think about when you go on vacation and you're like at the beach or you're by a pool, like why are you happy because you're at the beach? It's like some sand and shit. It's like why would that make you more happy than sitting on some concrete? It's because you're in the sun. It's because you're in the sun. Your body's soaking up the sun. It regulates your hormones. It regulates your neurotransmitters. It gives you the happy hormones. Like you literally get high on the sun. And I know about getting high. I'm an expert, so trust me on that one. Next one is... You know, all my stuff is always about getting back to nature. The next physical one is getting your skin to touch the ground as often as possible. And that's a little weird in the city again, you know, you don't know what's been on the grass, but every little park I walk by, I'm like, toot, toot, shoes off, I cruise around, I get in the sun, put up my arms, close my eyes, take some deep breaths, and ground. Grounding is really, really important because what happens is you build up static electricity you build up positive ions and it's not good. You oxidize really is what happens. So you know how we're told like, eat blueberries, they're antioxidants. You know what the number one antioxidant is? Touching the ground. That's another reason when you get in water, you feel so good. When you take a shower or bath, you're grounded. You're, you're um, getting rid of that electrical charge that you've accumulated from walking around in rubber shoes. Again, think about how we've evolved. We didn't evolve with rubber on our feet, we evolved touching the ground. To further that point, Think about every animal in nature that survived through evolution with the exception of birds obviously when they're in flight but birds aren't in flight most of the time most of the time they're chilling in their nest grounded because their feathers and skin are touching part of the tree and the tree is touching the ground right every animal whether it's in the water or on the land pretty much touches the ground their entire life right that's why animals don't have diabetes you know, unless they eat the food we eat. (laughs) You can give your dog diabetes by feeding it Twinkies. But, you know, they don't have, like, the chronic diseases we have unless they're eating what we eat and living our lifestyle, which sometimes happens. But animals generally, like, live a happy, healthy life um, because they're touching the ground and they're getting sunshine. So remember, just air, water, and sun. Super basic. Um, And then, I'm just about out of time, so I'll close with a little bit of the spirit thing, but I've kind of, like weave that into the mind bit I think because it's all you know similar but I'd like to just say one more piece on you know the idea of prayer and I kind of opened with that because that was the first thing that I tried just out of desperation that just changed everything and it's still something that I use but it's funny because even though it works so well and I've been doing it for like 21 years I still forget I'll still be freaked out about something I'm like oh, I need to go up here to this broken fucking computer called a mind that's the thing that actually created the problem that I'm suffering from, and I'm going to get the thing that made the problem fix the problem. When in fact, there's a universal intelligence all around me that has answers. You know, Whether you call that God, the universe, whatever, even if you don't believe in such things, what I'm here to propose is that And if you already have some kind of prayer practice, good on you. It's probably working well for you. But what I'm here to propose is that if I can just connect with something outside of myself and bigger than myself, more powerful than myself, more wise than myself, which is pretty easy, you know, if you have a modicum of humility, you can admit there's something going on here that we don't quite understand, right? If I can humble myself enough just to be open-minded to that idea... And try, I don't even like calling it prayer, but there's just no other word I can think of for it. But even just trying that, like asking nature, you could say, for answers, asking for help, really, really works. And the crazy thing about it is, it works even if you don't believe it'll work. And that's been the case in my life. There's been so many situations where I am literally stuck, and I cannot help myself because my resources or stop at my intellect, you know? And it's like that thing, oh yeah, there's an intelligence out here that knows how to make those trees grow and knows how to teach the squirrel to jump from one to the other to get the acorn. Like There's a lot going on in the universe and there's a lot of power and there's a lot of wisdom. And it's my experience, not even a belief, it's not a belief system, it's just the way it is that if I can tap into that with just a little bit of belief, If any, I get results and it works. And I find that I'm given intuitively answers that solve my problems. Because my problems are created again by my mind. And my mind is just not a good place to go to figure things out. It's good to like figure out how to set up my audio equipment and like be here and be there and like fix my computer. Like shit like that, the mind's great. But for solving spiritual problems, the mind doesn't work so well. I need a spiritual solution, because what's really wrong at the end of the day, in most cases, is that I'm not spiritually aligned. In other words, I'm not living from my higher self, my true self. I'm living from the animal body, and the animal body, the animal in me, is terrified of dying. You know? So I think with that, I'll, um, I'll close. will um, close. have questions? Yeah, I'm sure some of your, by the way, I'm sure some of your feet are, like, super bummed. Like, if you want to do yoga or jump around or hang out, like, I'm not going to, I won't be distracted or think that you're being disrespectful. I have a hard time standing for this long myself, so move around if you got to. Yeah, but I'd love questions if you have any. Yeah, real quick, obviously, however much you want to share, but what is, like, your, what does your first hour look like every day, and what does your last hour look like? Obviously, barring, you know, flying to New York the next day or having a big event. Yeah, the, the morning routine is crucial. That's something people talk, you know, like high-performing people talk mm-hmm. a lot about that now. Yeah. Uh, the first thing, the very first thing I do is um, turn on CNN really loud and start thinking about politics. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just kidding. No, not at all. Yeah, No, not at all. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny. I really have to resist going to my phone. Of course. So I'll tell you what I don't do is I do not open my email. And anyone that works with me will attest to that. Like, you're not hearing from me on email till like 11 o'clock. Um, I might look at the phone for a text because I know no one's going to text me anything like that's going to set me on a negative tack. Um, but the first thing I do is I drink a big old spring water with something called Mega Hydrate in it, which is a really powerful hydrating antioxidant. It's actually like a powdered hydrogen. And I'll pound that down because you get very dehydrated when you sleep. You sweat a lot, right? Um, through breathing, actually, too. Uh, you get dehydrated. So that's the first thing, the big water. And then, this is kind of weird, but... To get my actual, like, physical stomach in the right place, because I have something called a hiatal hernia. It means, like, doing forward bends and stuff in yoga, like my stomach actually moves. So I get a big, heavy glass of water, and then I bounce up and down like that, and I set my organs in the right place. And then I start cruising around. Next thing is cold shower. Cold shower. Yeah. That's something I didn't talk about, actually. Um, I just do all the way cold now, which... Sounds pretty badass, but in L.A., it's still lukewarm. <laughs> right. Right. In the winter, the water gets colder. You come out here and do a cold shower in the it's winter, it's like, wow. But I still do it. But that, to me, is like is the right. ultimate. So just water, then cold shower. Then I'll like make usually a bulletproof coffee or some sort of herbal concoction if I'm not on a caffeine day. Some days I do caffeine, some I don't. But I'll make a fatty drink, and that's my breakfast. So like bulletproof brain octane oil, grass-fed butter in some hot drink. But I don't drink it before I meditate. Yeah, so cold shower to wake up, get hydrated, maybe a couple herbs and some water. Like Sometimes I'll add like some supplements that aren't stimulating because yeah. I want to be able to meditate and really drop in. And then I do 20 minutes of that. Then I read a couple little things and then either go to kundalini yoga for an hour and a half. If I don't do that, I'll do something called Wim Hof breathing, which is very similar to a lot of the yogic breathing in a tradition like kundalini. Or, um, yeah, also called the Iceman Um Also very similar to holotropic breathing, I think it's called. So that's my thing is like breathing, little movement, meditation, and no social media or emails. Yeah, until my mind's right. Like I said, I have to go on that mental fast to like make sure my mind is like close to reality based and then I can like interface with people and not get all tripped out. Yeah. Yeah. What about your last hour? How do you shut the day off? yeah, last hour, I have a number of different supplements that I take, which change all the time, but usually has to do with like GABA, tryptophan, um, collagen protein, MCT oil, sometimes like a tablespoon of raw honey that kind of keeps your blood sugar going when you sleep. Uh, and then I have a one supplement um, that I get from a place called Next Health. I think it's just called Sleep or something. So I take a few supplements because I live in the city and there's all these like EMFs and noise and like I have to be knocked out. Then I'll um, sit or lie on a thing called a bio mat, which is um, an amethyst sort of kind of heating pad that makes uh, infrared light. And that really puts you in a parasympathetic nervous system state. Or I'll take an infrared sauna also, which also just like, I mean, you like, could be having a panic attack and you jump in an infrared sauna and you're gonna be like, oh, what problem? You know, it just really chills you out. And then one of the last things I'll do is I lay on something called a sleep induction mat. Yeah, amazing. Um, Bulletproof makes them. um, And essentially, it's these little... Actually, I just laid on it before I came over here just to, like, relax. It's these little spiked discs, and they're really sharp, and they hurt like hell, but they're just dull enough to not break your skin. And And what? don't move... You're fine. yeah you're just <laughs> you just kind of try to scratch it yeah no you right. can't, can't move <laughs> you can't move <laughs> but it's not, it sounds horrible like why would you do that to yourself but what happens is you get like the most massive endorphin rush yeah, it's, it's super relaxing and it literally knocks you out and standing on it's the best thing i've found for standing for a while like it literally shuts your feet from hurting off right 30 seconds right so that's kind of that's cool. kind of the bed routine and also um oh god the bed thing this i forgot to mention was sunlight it, again you gotta listen to that jack Cruz episode but dude, white light, which is really blue light, is like literally the worst thing you could ever do to your body, is seeing blue light with your, um, with your eyes and also having blue light on your skin, which means all street lights, headlights, computer lights, iPhone. Um, so I always recommend, it's actually really easy to fix. You just have one setup in your house of all amber incandescent lights, and you can get them on Amazon. Just literally type in amber incandescent lights, old school light bulbs have, like, lamps in your house that, like, you have a night set up. Homeboy's got orange glasses back here. You guys haven't figured out. So you want to block all blue light at night. And then in the day... Actually, <laughs> mine are here, too. There's mine a, are fucking dope. Wear these There's around Manhattan. Bucks. You get laid, like, every five minutes. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I was listening to Yeah, it's crazy. You have to, like, fight them away, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I was walking through Penn Station during the cruise episode, so I was... Yeah. looking around and everything just became like yeah. a blue light invader. And if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and that sounds weird, again, go back to nature. We've evolved in, in the way that when the sun goes down, it gets dark, and then at best we're chilling at a fire, amber light. There's no blue light really in a fire, right? And so what has happened, you know, thank God we, you know, Edison hooked us up with the lights so we can hang out at night and not bump into shit, but it's truly really wrecked our health. It is like a health right. epidemic. Because what happens is your optic nerve takes in that blue light. And again, when I say blue light, like all light everywhere around us is blue, unless it's like orange color, it's all blue light, right? It's in the spectrum of like noontime sun. So when these lights are going in my eyes right now, it's sending an immediate message to my brain to shut off melatonin and to keep cortisol up. So if you have trouble sleeping, it's probably because you're looking at your laptop, iPad or iPhone, you're blasting yourself with blue LED before you go to bed. So your mind literally thinks it's noon not your mind, your brain. And it's just, it's, it's super, super legit. There's a lot of science behind it. So what you do is you just hook up your whole nighttime setup. And it's actually just very calming and nice. Like people come to my house at night and they're like, wow, it's it's fucking chill in here. And I'm like, yeah, it's because it's like orange everywhere. And then in the daytime, you can get also on Amazon, uh, what are called full spectrum bulbs and full spectrum is good because they have purple, red and blue, which the sun has at different times of the day. So it's the most like natural sunlight. So if you work in like a hospital or an office and you're getting like fluorescent or LED lights that are missing the spectrum of the natural sun, which again has purple and red in it, your physiology literally doesn't know what the fuck that is. It's called non-native light, like non-native EMFs. Your biology is very confused by that. And it sounds like kind of kooky bio-hack-y, but it's but it's, it's really, really legit. And it's a bit of a transition. You know, I mean, wearing the orange glasses around is a commitment, especially if you live in New York. You're like, it's good for, I I wear them sometimes just for my ego, just to like (laughs) practice having self esteem. You know what I mean? Just having people be like, okay, dude, you know, when you walk in somewhere, they just like kind of ignore you because you look so weird. Uh, But people are catching on. There's some cooler ones now. Like, his actually are nice, you know.
0: believe like the mainstream WebMD actually just posted an article today, which is like kind of a big step for like science going into the mainstream, so you could look up like if they're like making you sick or something, WebMD, and it'll come up and it start, it's a very simple uh, lacking explanation, but
1: it's a start. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. This is not woo-woo stuff. This is hard science. So um, So that's a huge recommendation at night too. And, you know, like, I mean, I'm cruising around New York at nine, 10, 11 at night. I'm not like wearing my orange glasses, like whatever. I take one for the team. But when I get back to the hotel, I'm like dimming all the lights. And sometimes I'll even go to like Bed Bath & Beyond or I order them on Amazon. I switch out all the lights in my hotel room and it's like Amberville in there at night. It's chill. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? They make, here's the, here's the, yeah, here's the workaround. The incandescents um, you can get on Amazon because they're decorative yeah they're like party lights they're novelty lights so they're still the old kind yeah or they call them edison lights but yeah if you go to like the hardware store they don't have them anymore and and led lighting is like so bad i mean i just feel it especially because my home doesn't have any of it and so when i go in like a big box store or something my brain gets scrambled i'm like what the hell people work in here all day it's like super intense and some people are more sensitive to it than others you know like i don't know like I have friends. We go on Target. They're like, "What are you talking about? It looks fine to me." Yeah. My brain, like, this it starts tripping. You know? Did you have one? You know, I have one of those in my living room, set on a timer, okay. so that like it's never totally dark in there. And it seems to me that the salt lamps do block the blue light. You know, um, but you can get like really psycho with this stuff like if you listen to jack Cruz, he's like no even like the amber lights still have a little blue i mean it gets pretty intense really the only way to block it is having like the true like prescription grade blue blocking glasses that take it down i think it's like in the wavelength of 500 or so it has no blue in it there's like a spectrum of light going from 500 to 6,000, 535. it's called kelvins it just has to do with how much cool Or warm colors in the light it gets pretty like geeky but I don't know just like put amber bulbs in your house and turn them on at night it's basic and if you go out and you know you want to sleep all that night get some weird orange glasses the other thing you can do is um, you can get night shift on your iPhone it's not perfect but it does you know shut down a lot of the blue spectrum and then there's another app on the computer that's called um iris it's like 10 bucks And it's really great because there's all these different settings i mean you can turn your whole screen like red i mean it's not that awesome for watching netflix i'll admit i've tried to talk a girlfriend into that they're like no dude give me the blue light um but (laughs) it's like it looks really lame but it's great if you want to like read emails and do stuff at night it's literally orange or actually kind of more red it's very calming so so iris is great to just install on your computer and it just goes on automatically for whatever time you set it so you can literally have like a blue light free home at night. It, it's not that hard to set up and you, you do get used to it. And it has a profound effect on your health and especially your sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously made a pretty big transition from being a stylist to a lifestyleist and podcaster. <clears throat> Is there anyone in particular that you kind of started following
0: uh, that kind of led you down that path? How did you get yourself started, started with that?
1: Well, you know, I'm like a—I'm really an auditory person, and I learn from listening faster than any other way, like faster than watching and faster than reading. Like when I listen, I really listen. I'm a good listener. It's just like a thing. Like I hear every word that everyone says. I'm super present. I use it kind of as an anchor. So I started listening to like audiobooks on CD, actually on cassettes back in the day first, like spiritual audiobooks and stuff. Then CDs, then MP3s, then um, podcasts. So. That's the way that I learned and a couple people that I started learning a lot of this stuff from and inspired me to start my own was like first when I used to be a vegetarian for 10 years was David Wolfe, who's also been on my show, he's a super health nut, you know, hippie yogi dude. Um, Very knowledgeable in terms of herbalism and things like that, vegetarianism didn't really work for me after the 10 year mark, I wasn't really having it, um, just physically. Um, so him and then Dave Asprey, Bulletproof Radio, is like one of my favorite podcasts. It's a bit on the nerdier side, like the opposite end of the spectrum of David Wolf. And then I think what really inspired me was my friend um, Daniel Vitalis, who I used to just be like a fan of and like go see him speak. And then we kind of became friends. And I really loved his podcast and his message. It's called Rewild Yourself. It's great. I've been on his show a couple of times. He's been on my show a couple of times he lives up in Maine and he just, he lives like an Aboriginal. I mean, it's just like, he's next level. I mean, he just like eats only wild food and spring water. I mean, he lives like it's 200,000 years ago, but he's really just a brilliant guy. And, um, and so following, I think those three people were inspiration. And then Daniel, uh, I spoke in an event with him, just uh, someone did me a favor and let me come speak at their event. And Daniel, when I got done talking, he was like, uh, dude, you could totally do this. And I was like, yeah, but I'm like a fashion guy. I don't know this stuff. He's like, yeah, you do. It's a no-brainer. You could totally have a podcast. Just do it. So it just, it took someone, and even my, my business partner, Lauren Messiah, that I run the school with, she was like, dude, do a podcast. Like, that's your passion. So it actually took people kind of kicking my ass because I had a lot of self-doubt about my ability to do it. And then eventually I figured out, like, I have my own little thing. I'm like relatable. I'm like a normal dude who's like into spirituality and health and stuff. I'm not like sciency, and I'm not too spacey, so maybe I fall somewhere in the middle and can reach people that the space cadets and the nerds can't reach. <laughs> I mean that in the best sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've tried to listen to Cruz, pr- and I can't. But with you mediating, it was like it was, uh, it was easier. That's it was great. That's, but, great yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, that's my goal. Um, I'm sure people's butts and/or feet are tired. they there probably wrap it up? Is there another question before we? Get out of here and hang out for a bit? Okay, cool. Well, let's go ahead and um, uh, give these ladies a hand for having me come out tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's really just fun to be able to kind of, you know, have a platform, be able to invite people down. So, you know, please come say hi if you're, you know, just here tonight or if you listen to the show. It's like, it's rad because I do a lot of uh, Instagram, like DMs with people and they're like, oh, I listen to your show. And so I'm sure some of you people are here. So let's hang out. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Before we wrap this up, I've got an exciting little secret announcement for you. I'm about to launch my new 90-day lifestyle design coaching system where you, the listener, have the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. All you have to do is go to lukestory.com forward slash coaching to apply for a free 15-minute assessment call with me. We're going to jump on the phone, see if it's a good fit. I'm going to explain the program to you and talk about how we can upgrade your life, okay? This program's awesome. It's based on my 20 years of subjective experience in the fields of health and personal development. Like, everything I've got goes into this 90-day program. So I'm gonna guide you through my proven system of revolutionary mental, physical, and emotional transformation. It kinda depends on what we need to work on first. So you're gonna take an immersive deep dive into my nature-based approach to personal optimization you're gonna get a really clear and straightforward understanding of these sometimes complicated issues, you know, meditation and mindset, diet, smart drugs, nootropics, proper drinking water in your home, EMFs, alternative healing technologies, vitamin and herbal supplementation, all the things that we talk about on the show that I've been working with for a long time, Those are all the things that go into the program. So what's gonna happen here is through an application of all this knowledge in all these different areas, we're gonna map out a blueprint for creating a healthy living environment inside your home, as well as a very realistic, practical approach to spirituality that you can carry out into your relationships and your career and into your future. And the coaching sessions are done remotely via Skype, so you can do them from anywhere in the world. If you live in LA, there's a possibility of doing it in person. Kind of depends on timing and where you live. But here's the deal. Program's brand new, but space is very limited. I've only got really room for like five clients per month. That's what I figured is my max at this point, so I can still have a life. So again, to apply for a free 15-minute phone consultation with yours truly, go to www.lukestory.com forward slash coaching. I look forward to hearing from you.